Chet Marcheshvan Taf Shin Pei Aleph. Coming to you live, live, I tell you, from the offices of Ariel Tours, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Rifa'inu Hashem, by special request of one of our listeners, asked for it last week, said the situation in Israel of corona infections is getting uh, more and more difficult. And could we go back to our Rifa'inu Hashem theme song that we did before um, before the summer? And so by that special request, we opened things up 
with Ariel Zilber and Rifa'enu Hashem. Welcome in, welcome, welcome, one and all, to uh, this week's live, I tell you, live edition of the Israel Show. My name is Mayor Weingarten. We are here each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, which translates to... Now, get get this, it's a little different, so just, you gotta... Don't don't fall out of balance or anything. 9 a.m. Israel time. Oh, 9 a.m. <laughs> I fell out of balance. 9 a.m. Eastern time. That's it. And this week and this week alone, 3 p.m. Israel time, because there's only six hours difference, but usually 4 p.m. Israel time. And around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that is the time we are on. Uh, thank you for listening, tuning us in, and telling your friends. Very important about that as well. You can listen on the archives whenever you want at NachumSiegel.com or via the NachumSiegel Network app, which is available on the various app stores, play stores, etc., etc. We're going to talk about um, Sudan. Now you're going to say, that's weird. Why is he talking about Sudan? Where is Sudan? What is Sudan? Well, Sudan is a very important African country, very large, important, both geographically and otherwise. And Israel and Sudan have somewhat of a history together. And at the end of last week, on Friday afternoon here in the United States, it was announced that Israel and the Sudan are going to have uh, a normalization of relationships. And uh, it is the third country that falls into this category now, after UAE and um, and Bahrain. So we'll talk about that and uh, have some things that I need to make up from last week. We'll talk about that. We'll give you lots of great stuff, great information, great music as always. And we'll start off that great music as always with a relatively new song of Shuli Rand. We're playing it here for the first time. It's called Achim Achim, Ahavat Pole Bama. It is a tribute song to the stagehands that usually work with him because there are no performances in Israel and everybody in the... In the um, performance industries, singers, uh, actors, and so forth, are um, are struggling, and surely so, those who are the stagehands that work behind the scenes. And he wrote and composed this special tribute, this beautiful video, which you could see as well, uh, in tribute to them. So here it is, Achim Achim Ahavat Po'alei Bama. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Achim Achim, Achim, Midgalgelim itanu badrachim. Achim, 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 Kmochitim la matara shluchim. Ayom bemetula, Machar bekiriagat, Leopalea fula, Afilu lela. Achim, 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 Kmochitim la matara shluchim. Thank you. 
ותכף אחריהם לוחמי התאורה כמו שדים ירקים, קונסולת סופנס, אכיל את זמן נשכת עוד מעט קהל נכנס, אכיל, 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 מתגלגל איתנו בדרכים, ואז על הרוחן באים הגליל, החצוצה הפסנתרנה מתופלת הבסיסט עם קונטרבאס על הכתף, וגם הגיטריסט המעופן. מכוונים את הכלים, משוחחים בשפת סתרים. פלואו ביטר, צשמרצה סנר, שמר, הקפלה, דאג' יואל, מה הם מדברים שם? האורות נדלקים ויש קהל, נותנים בראש פרקים מכות חשמל, הקהל בשמיים מחיאות כפיים, הלא בבות, תנו לנו הדרן. שלום, שלום, היינו כאן. עכשיו בואו אני אסביר לכם איך זה הולך. אז אמר, מצטלם עם מי שמצטלם, מדליק סיגר, נכנס למכונית ונוסע אל תוך הלילה הרטום. הנגנים מפרקים את הכלים, מדליקים סיגרות, מצטלמים עם מי שמצטלמים ונוסעים אל תוך הלילה הרטום. אבל אנחנו, אחי, בשבילנו רק התחיל הלילה. להעמיס למשאית, לפרוק את הציוד, להעמיס למשאית, לפרוק במחסן. יאללה, קפה אחרון קטן ונסענו, יאללה, שיהיה קפה אחרון קטן ונסענו. אחי, מה הפרצוף הזה? ברוך השם. יש לחם להביא הביתה, לא מובן מאליו, אחי. הבאנו היום לחם להביא הביתה, הבאנו לחם הביתה, בסדר. שוטף פלוס שלושים, שוטף פלוס שישים, שוטף פלוס תשעים, שוטף פלוס מאה ועשרים, אבל אחי, משהו שוטף. מתגלגלים, מגלגלים. לפנות בוקר מגיעים, נכון, לא תמיד רואים את הילדים, את האישה, ומחר בבוקר צריך לצאת מוקדם, למה יש הקמה חושילין קשה. אבל אחי, הבאנו לחם הביתה! הבאנו לחם הביתה! ועכשיו, משהו קרה, התארכה הקערה, אחי צרה צרורה, אין אור בקצה המנהרה. האולמות סגורים, הקהל בפחד בבתים, מי רוצה לראות הופעה באולם, כשמלאך המוות מרקד בעולם. אין עבודה, נאדה, אפס, כלום. זמר עוד יכול לחלטר בה איך קוראים לו בזום, אבל אנחנו אחי אנשי הבמה, אנשי הדממה, אין עבודה, נאדה, אפס, גור, נשחור, שחור. הושתק הסאונד, קבע האור, אין מטולה, אין עפולה, אין אלעד, אפילו לא חלטורה במקלט, וגם בתחזית הכי אופטימית בעולם, אנחנו חוזרים לשוק הרבה הרבה אחרי כולם. אנחנו בצרות עיוני. הופעות זה לא מוגדר כצורך חיוני ואיך תביא לחם לבית? מתי כבר נראה יונה עם מלא של זית? סגרו את האור, זרקו לים את המפתח אחי, תביא לי גיק במרג'יון, נשמע לך לוקח ומאיפה תביא לחם הביתה? מאיפה נביא לחם הביתה? מאיפה נביא לחם הביתה? רציתי רק לומר לכם בתור זמר צרוף אני איתך אחי, אני איתך דו, ובשעה כל כך קשה חובתנו הקדושה לשמש לכם לפלצקה, כי הם ממש נופלים מהרגליים, לא מחזיקים את הראש מעל המים, ובלעדי אנשי הדממה תנסו את הרוח 
Shuli Ran, the Achim Achim, and he begs basically the owners of the uh, various talent agencies, the um, the theaters, and so forth to dig deep in their pockets and help out those who are struggling uh, in Israel through the corona, the stagehands especially, that uh, are going to be opening up almost last. Uh, tourism probably will be the last. That was Shuli Ran. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. So, we uh, mentioned that yet another country has agreed to... Um, Normalized relations with Israel. This is a country that we have a long history with, and it is the Sudan in Africa. Sudan is just south of Egypt and just north of Ethiopia. And it is uh, on the Red Sea. So it has an importance from a geographical standpoint, for sure, because it um, is on the Red Sea, and the Red Sea is a very important uh, route for Israeli commerce through the uh, you know the big uh, ships that come with cars and all kinds of other stuff. The shipping route it's a shipping route for Israel, a very important one. And so, um, being on the shores of the Red Sea is important. Being between Egypt and Ethiopia on the on on the as as the bird flies so to speak but as the plane flies more importantly as the plane flies the flight to south america for example where israel is trying to increase the tourism and so forth is going to be shortened by several hours just like on the other side going east the flight from israel to the Far East, Australia, etc., is shortened now by about three and a half hours because of the agreement reached with the UAE, Bahrain, and with the agreement of Saudi Arabia, who haven't yet um, uh, publicly come out and agreed, but it's clear that everything is happening with their consent. Um, so, th- so these plane routes that shorten the distance, that really make the rest of the world closer to Israel as far as uh, travel is a big, 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 big deal. There are more countries along the way. It's sort of like, it, 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 hopefully, hopefully, I mean, this whole initiative is um, coming through the very, very important brokerage of the Trump administration. Brokering, brokerage, whatever. And... If the Trump administration does not continue, the question is, will this be enough of a trend already? Will this flow, will this inertia that's begun continue on its own under a Biden administration? 
or not? That's a big question. But um, analysts in Israel are talking about the next one to go, Djibouti. Djibouti. That's the name of a country. I mean it. And it's a very tiny country. I'll post a map uh, later on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show. So you should see where it is. But it, it, it controls the straits where, uh, on one side, the other side is Yemen, where the boats uh, have to travel in order to get to a lot via the Red Sea. So uh, Ayodhiari claims that that's the next one. Uh, there are those, of course, talking about Oman. Not Uman, no, no. Oman. Oman. Uman already has a relationship with Israel. And um, this past week, a group of Israeli uh, travel organizers, tour operators, and so forth, had a trip, what's called a fam trip, a familiarization trip, one that uh, exposes to the travel agent what it is that the country has to offer and so forth. And they went to, I believe it was Abu Dhabi, it was either Abu Dhabi or Dubai. And um, the reports were amazing. There is a, um, I, I saw a post this morning by a Haredi young man, American Israeli, uh, who is in, what did we say now, in Dubai, right? And he, yes, he's in Dubai, and he just had, was there for Shabbos, and he says, Everything. He had everything. There was nothing missing. Nothing missing. Um, it was. He says it was an uplifting Shabbos. And on, on, on television in Israel, report shows how they're getting ready for the kosher food needs of the religious Israelis that are coming. How they're taking care of every detail. And the report from this young man who was... Um, who was in Dubai for Shabbos, he writes that he likes to travel to Arab countries. I guess he's somewhat of a thrill-seeker. And he says in Egypt, in Jordan, where we have, quote-unquote, peace peace, peaceful relationships, peace treaties, official peace treaties, he was petrified to have anything that identifies him as Jewish. Didn't wear his yarmulke, he wore a cap, and this, a tzitzitzin, all that stuff. In, in in Dubai, he says, I proudly wore my kippah. No problem. People were greeting us, were ecstatic. They were thrilled. <laughs> I wonder, <laughs> after the first onslaught of Israeli tourists, <laughs> if they're going to be as excited. No, but they, it's amazing how um, it, it, it's a grassroots piece as well, which we didn't see um in Egypt and in Jordan. And I, I just want to remind you, as uh, before we talk uh, more about the Sudan, want to share with you the words, the, the, the sage forecast of the former Secretary of State. Remember this when you're at the voting booth. This was the second Obama administration, the Secretary of State John Kerry, the one who who negotiated that brilliant Iran deal. And here's him lecturing Israel and lecturing us about what, what's possible and what's not. Now, the date on this, just make a note, not that long ago. It's a little less than four years. December the 4th, 2016. Okay? Here we go. There will be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab world. 
I want to make that very clear to all of you. I've heard several prominent politicians in Israel sometimes saying, well, the Arab world's in a different place now. We just have to reach out to them and we can work some things with the Arab world and we'll deal with the Palestinians. No, 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 and no. Just in case you didn't get it. No, 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 and no. I can tell you that reaffirmed even in the last week as I have talked to leaders of the Arab community. There will be no advance and separate peace with the Arab world without the Palestinian process and Palestinian peace. Everybody needs to understand that. That is a hard reality. Well, it's a, such a hard reality that it's actually not no, 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 and no. It's yes, 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 and yes. And uh, less than four years later, it's happening exactly the opposite of what then-Secretary of State John Kerry was, uh, was uh, lecturing us about. It's a hard fact, a hard truth. They just were living in a different world, a world that is stuck in a box and refuses to see out of the box, refuses to see Israel's ability to to come to the Arab states and say, we have a lot to offer you, and the Arab states saying, we, quite frankly, are fed up with this whole quote-unquote Palestinian Arab issue, and yes, we see that. You have a lot to offer. And we want it. There you go. Just like that. Okay, we'll um, do our, another musical interlude. And then we'll do a Meir Milim. If you're up on the Parshat HaShavua last week, this past uh, two, two days ago, we read Parshat Noach. And Noah was told to put a tzohar into the teva. Well, you'll hear, you'll hear all about that and words related to it, and how we come to it. So stay tuned for the Meir Milim segment after Shlomo Artsy and Ratzinula Rak last year. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. <laughs> הייתי אז הכי קטן בעיר, הכי קטן בעיר ובשובי מהרחובות אבי הניף שלטים מסור פוליטיקאים ושחטים תמיד מתחלפים החברים אמיתיים לנצח לא התחלפו הייתי כבר רעב לשיר, רעב לשיר. שרתי עם כל החברים שלי על גג מוזר מול הנערה. השאלה הייתה מי יהיה פה כדי לאסוף את השברים. מי יתחתן עם מי Thank 
segment, we shed light on a word or phrase in the Hebrew language. Meir Milim is inspired by the Galeit Sahal radio segments of Dr. Avshalom Kor and informed by the teachings of Dr. Lior Gottlieb. In the second part of the Shema, God makes us a promise. If we follow in His ways, we will be successful in business. In those days, business was agriculture, and doing well meant that the fields produced a lot, a hefty bounty. This trio of Dagan, Tirosh, and Yitzhar appears more than 60 times in Tanakh because they are three important economic commodities. Dagan is wheat, Tirosh is wine, and Yitzhar is oil. Today we'll answer the question, why is oil called Yitzhar? Let's start in the Amidah, the Shmona Esrei. In the Modim, we thank God for His constant benevolence to us. The goodness that you show us all the time. Erev vavoker v'tzahoraim. Erev is night. Boker is morning. Tzahoraim is the middle of the day. 
When God gives Noah the work order for the ark, it includes a tzohar. Tzohar ta'asela teva. We do know what an ark is, but what is a tzohar? Most commentators agree that the tzohar in the ark was a window. So now we have three words, tzohar, tzahoraim, and yitzhar. It's kind of hard to miss the common letters, tzahar, tzohar, tzadi, hey, resh. But what's not so obvious is the common meaning. Yes, these three words have one thing in common, and that is light. Tzahoraim is the easiest. Noon is the brightest, lightest time of the day. Tzohar is the window, which let light into Noah's Ark, which leaves us with Yitzhar, oil. How is oil connected with light? There are two possibilities. The obvious one, in ancient times, you lit up your dining room by sticking a wick into oil and setting it on fire. Oil produced light. Another possibility relates to the color of oil. It has that bright yellow color that reminds us of light and sunshine. Tzadi, hey, resh. They are all of one. Tzahorayim, Tzahar, and Yitzhar all relate to light. Let's take it to the next step. In Hebrew, it's not unusual for certain letters to interchange. The letter tzadi interchanges often with the letter zayin. For example, to scream or cry out, sometimes it's called a tzeaka with a tzadi and sometimes a zeaka with a zayin. Something small is zair and sometimes tzair, which today we usually designate small in age, young but actually means small in general. And it makes sense that these two letters can interchange. They sound very similar. Tz and z. Try making the sounds with your mouth and you'll see why they're so close to each other. So it comes as no surprise that Tzohar, light, is related to Zohar or Zoher. Zoher is something that glows, that emits light. In the Kelmalei Rachamim we say, Kizohar harakia mazhirim umeirim. They are zohar, they shine. And there's actually a lot more to the zohar and zohar connection and other words that are related to it. We're going to save that for next week. In the meantime, let's just wrap up and put a nice light on the whole thing. Zohar is a window, and modern Hebrew used that way as well. Tzahorayim, both in Tanakh and in modern Hebrew, means midday, noontime, when the sun is at its highest. And Yitzhar is oil, oil that looks yellow and shiny like the sun, and with which we produce light. This segment was summed up, pretty much, in one sentence by the Ibn Ezra, in his commentary to that Pasuk in Parshat Noach, which talks about Sohar Tasela Teva. Tzohar, says the Ibn Ezra, Migzerat Tzahoraim, is from the root of Tzahoraim, Umigizrato, and from it also Yitzhar, the word Yitzhar, oil, Ba'avur, or Haner, because the oil creates the light. That's this week's Meir Milim segment. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Caspi words by the genius of Yoram Tarlev. We spoke about him last week about the song Yalev Yavo. We didn't go into the details. We're not going to go into the details of this song either, but the words are so great. At the end, <laughs> is constantly, basically the animals are constantly complaining. When are we going to get out already? You know, open the window, let out the bird, you know. <laughs> We're sick of each other already. Let us get out of here. Oh, it's so cute. Noach, Mati Kaspi, and uh, before that, the Met Yermilim segment, <clears throat> which is the first of a three-part one. And this one discussed Yitzhar and Sohar and all that other stuff. Um, last week, I spoke about two documentary films that uh, were on Israeli television describing both describing the difficult difficult situation of the Sephardi the Eidotim Mizrach Olim back in the early 1950s 
Um, and there was a point I wanted to make, and I think that at the end, as much talking about the difficulties and everything that that they went through, I forgot to make the point that I wanted to make in the first place, which is when you see that, you realize how blessed we are with all the corona and everything that we're going through, and each one in his own way. When you see what these people went through when they came from their communities all throughout North Africa and Mesopotamia, we are we are blessed, and we have to keep reminding ourselves about that. So yesterday was Yom Aliyah, or Yom yeah Yom Aliyah, meaning the day that they celebrate Aliyah to Israel, people who've made, who've emigrated from all over the world and come to Israel truth is that basically almost everybody <laughs> who lives in Israel should be celebrated on Yom Aliyah because we've all come from somewhere. It is the fulfillment of God's prophecy that he will bring us together from the four corners of the earth. It's something we dive in for every day and guess what? God did it. He brought us forth from the four corners of the earth. Look at Israel today and think about where everybody comes from. That's amazing. There's also a pasuk. I can't remember the exact formulation of it, but it basically says that Gadol Yeh the Geula, the redemption, now that we're living through, the final Geula, will be greater than Yitzhak Mitzrayim. And you think to yourself, how could it be greater than Yitzhak Mitzrayim, Kriyat Yamsuf, and so forth? So many say, it's very simple. For God, None of this is difficult for God, but just from looking at it from a, a, a human perspective, taking a nation, a group of people who are enslaved in place A, and getting them out and defeating the army of the enslavers that that that's okay that's that's big but compare it to taking people that are all over the world literally the four corners of the globe if we use that metaphor and bringing them all each one from the Soviet Union from the Arab countries afterwards later from Syria from South America, North America, from all over Europe, from 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 the the, the Nebuch remainders of the Holocaust, the survivors. Think about how great a miracle that is. From the idea, from the perspective of kibbutz galuyot in gathering of the exiles, it's amazing. And one group that um, is is I think up there on the chart of miraculous are the Ethiopian Jews, the Beta Israel, that from the 1970s through now came to Israel through all kinds of difficulties, difficulties that we are, are not fully cognizant of or aware of. And that's the connection between yesterday being Yom Aliyah and Friday being the day that the historic treaty between Israel and Sudan was announced. Because many thousands of the Ethiopian 
immigrants came via Sudan. I mentioned before that Sudan is like sandwiched in between Egypt and Ethiopia, south of Egypt, north of Ethiopia, along the Red Sea. And from the times of uh, Prime Minister Menachem Begin, which began in 1977, when he was elected, there was a push in Israel, thanks to him, thanks to Menachem Begin, who felt that the Jewish people need to be gathered together, wherever they're from, whatever their background is. And so, the um, first few Jews from Beta Israel crossed the border from Ethiopia into Sudan. And escaped what was a very difficult situation in Ethiopia. There was a food crisis, there was a civil war. And over time, over time, thousands of thousands of Ethiopian Jews walked, walked like a 500-mile journey by foot through the Sudan on their way to Eretz Israel. They, were th- they thought they would walk to Eretz Israel. Can you imagine that? Now, this story, which, uh, A, I'm not fully conversant with all the details and the dates and everything. I tried to make myself more so, more conversant as I prepared for the show, but I'm still not, I don't feel comfortable enough with all the dates and everything that happened to give you a full rundown. But we'll just say that there was a period of time that... 15,000 Jews from Ethiopia were in the Sudan and were airlifted in what's called Operation Moses to Eretz Israel, to the land of Israel. This was their dream to be airlifted to the land of Israel. Their dream of Yerushalayim, which it's amazing. These are people that had no connect, Jews that had no connection to the people of Israel for 2,000 years. Their dream was strong enough that they were ready to walk. Now, one of the byproducts of of this difficult journey, this, this was a Uh, a trek through the desert was that many died many many died there is an estimate this comes off of Wikipedia there is an estimate that as many as 4,000 people, Jews, died due to violence and illness along the way illness, just the elderly for sure walking through the desert for hundreds of miles So one of the things I heard yesterday in an interview with um, the um, the minister of absorption, who happens to be an Ethiopian Jew herself, is that many Ethiopian Jews who lost family, immediate family, 
along this terrible trek through the wilderness, through the desert in Sudan, are hoping that this will open up for them the gates, the borders of Sudan, for them to be able to go back and try and locate the burial place where they buried the bodies as the thousands that were lost along the way. And as she said, to be able to have a burial place or bring the body back to Israel or at least if they know that there's a, a a burial place somewhere and they see a body to say Kaddish and so forth, it was very touching to hear her discuss it. And it's something that it was so foreign to me and I think to so many of 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 us. What they went through and what this means to them. It's um wow. It is rather amazing. There is, by the way, we've spoken at length about the uh, Netflix film called The Red Sea Diving Resort. You can see it. It's still on there. It's a great story. It's a better story than even the movie. The story itself is better than the movie. But the Mossad basically took over a resort on the shores of, of the Red Sea and they ran it as a resort, but it actually was a station for them to get the Ethiopian Jews onto boats and uh, and get and smuggle them out. And they, they did such a great job of it that that the Red Sea Diving Resort, which was really a resort that they were running, made money. <laughs> it made money. So uh, if you want more about that, you can go to that film or or look it up and read about it. Um, there's a there's a lot there's a lot there, and I hope, God willing, to familiarize myself more with the history of Operation Joshua, Operation Solomon, Operation Moses, and the, the various different waves of Aliyah that came from Ethiopia to um, to Israel, and in many cases via Sudan. Another thing, by the way, there's several thousand, if not over 10,000, Sudanese who are illegally in Israel. Illegal immigrants who came over the border before Israel got a chance to, uh, to put up their fence. You know, um, Americans make fun of Donald Trump and putting up a fence and everything. Obviously, Israel has a smaller border, but Israel put up a fence because there were so many illegals coming into Israel via the open border with Egypt, the Sinai, the Sinai Peninsula border. What's interesting is they didn't really want to come to Israel originally because, you know, it's not a Muslim country and they don't feel as comfortable, so they wanted to go to Egypt. The Egyptian army just shot them down shot them, killed like dozens in, in, in one day. And so they decided that, no, that's probably not a safe way to go. And so they c- continued through the Sinai and smuggled themselves into Israel. Eventually Israel shut the border, but there's still a few tens of thousands of Sudanese. There are also people from Eritrea, there's people from Somalia, but it is hoped by the Israeli government that they can make an agreement as part of this um, as part of this normalization for these Sudanese illegal immigrants who unfortunately are violent and are have taken over southern Tel Aviv neighborhoods 
and have turned them into horrific, what they call American no-go zones, almost like that. Um, where where the police don't get involved and the people, never the older people who live there who can't get out, who can't afford to buy an apartment somewhere else are stuck dealing with this. And it's one of those things that I can't understand the Israeli government, the attitude of the Israeli government in not dealing with it, in not taking care of it. Now, we'll, we should point out, the Israeli government has really worked very hard to try and make deals with different African countries to accept these illegals back. They were going to pay them, they were going to pay the country, the host country, they were going to pay the, the illegal immigrants to, 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 to leave, they were going to give them free airfare, and it was already set. And then the Supreme Court of Israel, and we say, oi, the Supreme Court of Israel, We've had numerous discussions about the difficulties with the court. The Supreme Court of Israel said, no, you're not allowed to do it. There's certain uh, international law about issues with refugees and so forth. And so, you know, if they'd be living in Israel as good citizens, so to speak, good illegal citizens, okay, uh, all right, could deal with that. But if you're terrorizing neighborhoods, if you've turned southern Tel Aviv areas into horrific places of crime, and we have a great solution to get you out, then the court comes and they're backed by leftist organizations that are funded by countries from Europe, European countries and others who want to un-Judaize the state of Israel. So the more non-Jews that come in there, the better. And the court found for them, and the numerous projects that were done, that were initiated by the Israeli government to try and get the illegal immigrants to be accepted back in a proper way. They're not throwing them out, they're not shooting them. Of course, and so forth. No, doesn't. Well, the court doesn't really care. Another interesting point is um, that Iran was shipping weapons to Hamas. Now, what they would do is they would bring the weapons by sea, drop them off in Sudan, and then they would have convoys drive through the Sudan and get through the Sinai Desert into Aza. And you look back in the news reports over the past uh, seven, eight years, you'll see reports of Israel Air Force bombs a caravan of trucks. And you think to yourself, in, in Sudan, why are they bombing a caravan of trucks in Sudan? And then it was released for public knowledge that, yeah, that's what's happening. The Sudan was allowing Iranian weapons to travel through its territory. So there's a lot to be said about the history on the negative side, but now there's going to be a lot to be said, God willing, about the history on the positive side. So let us all pray for the success of the normalization with 
the Sudan. I want to mention Yehuda Barkan passed away on, uh, on, I believe, on Shabbat. He was an Israeli entertainer, filmmaker, actor, uh, multi-multi-talented. About 10 years ago, he uh, became a choser b'tshuva. He returned to the tradition and um, still was beloved by everybody. Uh, I didn't know that much about him. I know that he made several films. He also had uh, candid camera type films that he made, but also some very classic Israeli films uh, back in the day. And um, he died of corona. Yehizichro Baruch. We're going to end off, appropriately, with the song Hamasala Eretz Yisrael. It's a song that was composed about Ethiopians who were trekking their way through the desert, getting to Eretz Yisrael. The journey, the Masa la Eretz Yisrael. This one is, uh, this version of it is done by Yonatan Razel. We'll close out with that. Not before we say thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the staff of the Nachum Single Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Uh, one of our listeners points out there's a book by Rafi Berg named Red Sea Spies, The True Story of Mossad's Fake Diving Resort. Thank you for that. And uh, maybe later, if we get a chance, we'll try and find a link to it. Anyway, coming up on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then Novik now with Jake Novik. As we get closer to the elections, you want to stay tuned to Jake Novak. And then, the great Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. Oh no, they're just running in a different race. Thank <laughs> you.